0: All right. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Count to 10 podcast with your host Bree Hall and we are here with a very special episode and very special guest. We have Darian Harvin here who is a journalist as well as a news curator and we're really going to dive right into it today. I'm very excited because oftentimes when you look into the beauty world we look at things on a more surface level and we talk about shade ranges and what new products are coming out but what happens when we start to dive a little bit deeper and talk about how politics, pop culture, and all these other avenues in our everyday life start to impact these industries. And Darian is very much the
1: specialist on this, so I'm so happy to
0: have her. Darian,
1: welcome to Count to Ten. I am so happy to be here with you, Bri. I feel that you are actually somebody who is challenging beauty standards. And I also love to see your relationship with beauty, so thank you for having me.
0: Wow, thank you so much. Since this podcast is about intersectionality and everything like that, there are so many unique facets that shaped my ideals around beauty and how I want to communicate what that even looks like. Even diving into natural hair before it was a trendy thing to do and people like, what's going on in your scalp? So what started your journey into storytelling and how did you know that was the right path for you starting out?
1: Storytelling and writing ever since I was little has always been a part of who I am in some way. I was definitely the kid who was like writing stories or reading. I wouldn't actually categorize myself as a bookworm per se. I definitely was also a people person. I was very curious. That's really where my desire to read came from, curiosity. I think that's what it is for all of us, honestly, but especially when you're a little kid. And so I went to Emerson College. I went for broadcast journalism. I basically chose journalism because I knew that, I was like, I like to write and I like to read and I like to talk to people, so maybe I wanna be a journalist. And that was basically how I picked it. And then I had this entire career In uh, working in newsrooms, I've worked. My first job was at 30 Rock. I was working at NBC News. Um, I was so fortunate in that sense, but I had also had these creative internships. I had interned at Parkwood Entertainment when I was in college. I had gone on to work on culture magazines. My last job was at BuzzFeed News, where I was a news curator. Now, mind you, my mom was like a hairstylist growing up. So beauty was always around in this way. And I'm sure you can relate to this, but like, I especially feel like when you're a black girl, like beauty just is like a thing. It is a time commitment, but it's also a source of creativity. I had never really meshed the two in my brain like this storytelling and journalism. And I was like in hard news and pop culture. So I was just kind of reading everything. And then one day I said to myself, I was like, I'm so burnt out. This is the end of the 2016 election. I was like, I'm so burnt out. We all thought that this was going to end in some way that did not happen. And I was like, I like journalism I want to be a storyteller but I need to find a new way to do this and I started to dabble more into beauty because I was also like growing into myself as a woman and I was figuring out my skincare I already had my hair down I already knew what I was doing with my hair but this was more like a continued makeup journey skin and things of that nature and then I started to do more writing within beauty and then it evolved into me being like oh I could apply my journalism skills to the beauty industry in this way that intersects politics and pop culture. I see people doing it here and there, but I mostly noticed that a lot of the content that I see around beauty is around product review, which is amazing and awesome. But I was like, I watch you, I watch Jackie Aena, I watch Nima, like I know all of these things, but I was like, I think I can contribute in a different way to this space. And so this is how I've come, and my intro is really long now, but not.
0: What you just said about how these avenues can be communicated differently. That is so real because I started the EcoStyler controversy.
1: <gasps> That's iconic, Brie. <laughs>
0: That was the first time that I realized how political like 99 cent hair gel could be and how influential a product can be over a culture. Yes. And then it prompted me to go on a deep dive through ingredients and doing a little mini doc where I went to different stores trying to find clean, quote unquote, clean beauty and realizing there was like nothing available for black skin tones at all. You know what I mean? And so I think that's something so real that people neglect to think about is like inclusivity and all these different things are so much more than just the product itself it's a whole
1: ecosystem right and how you mentioned earlier we talk about shade range and how this emphasis on shade range being a direct correlation between a brand's authenticity or their level of inclusivity which is honestly just insane I think this also has to do a lot with the pull up for change movement but we're thinking a lot more about who is working behind the scenes and that it's um, not only about diverse racial diversity is also about diversity of thought, economic status, where you live and your experiences of the world because Think about how all of those things have shaped you and me into being like black girls who you can't pin us down into one character. We're not a monolith, right? We have Absolutely. all these experiences, but like mm-hmm. also because of systemic racism, we have, I think, a particular eye and well, I'm sorry, I, I want to say that. But I think that because of systemic racism, mm-hmm. we also have a very complicated relationship with all of these mm-hmm. factors that other uh, people of other races, and that white people specifically don't experience or don't really engage with? It's just the political aspect around it is who has the right to feel beautiful. You mm. know what I mean?
0: It is so much more than just skin complexion, right? People who have albinism, vitiligo, yes. unique skin conditions, and it's like, where does their skin fit in on the beauty spectrum? And when are brands going to be thinking about this? Because it's it's just a real thing. like. Even doing makeup freelance, realizing I had to get custom colors for a lot of people because a lot of people's mm. shades just weren't available. So I'm over here being Picasso mixing in my palette like, I don't yep. worry, girl, I got you. But it shouldn't be like that. We should be able to walk into any store
1: and and find something, at least a few things that, that correlate to us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I still find myself mixing my foundations, which I'm cool with, because especially being in L.A., any given Oof. day, I could be any shade of brown, honestly.
0: You go to one outdoor wine tasting and now your whole foundation collection is obsolete. It's like the true story. Real life LA, man. Like, I, even during the pandemic, I, I literally called my mom and, like, mom, who is this white woman? Because I went down like two shades in my, because yeah. I wasn't getting any sun. And I didn't realize that I could even be that color. I was like, yo, I had to get a shade that I used as my concealer shade for my under eye
1: Wow!
0: for my, like if you're listening right now and you had to switch from your foundation to concealer shade during the pandemic, let me know. Okay. You know, I feel (laughs) like the government needs to reimburse you for that. Just moving into the gear of like your writing as well. Walk us through what you start to look at and what your process is like when you're about to start writing a story.
1: Yes. So here's something that I'm sure you've seen before. Whenever there is like, When a brand social media account like messes up, someone will always go, oh, the intern must have messed up. Saying this whole idea around social media editors aren't important. It's a lowly job. It's the least relevant thing when we all know everything is the opposite, but we somehow devalue this position. But for me, being a news curator and my ability to do that as someone who knows how to curate stories, timelines. It actually comes from my expertise as a social media editor, building communities, really like staying very low to the digital ground and like what people actually care about, what people are actually talking about. And I feel like all of those things actually inform what I want to write about. Because what I have often found is that A lot of the most fascinating stories are hiding in plain sight, like your Mm. eco-styler. And that's what I found so much with beauty is that a lot of these stories are hiding in plain Mm -hmm. sight. And I honestly get a lot of my stories from talking to people outside of beauty in the sense of like they aren't in the industry. They're everyday mm. people who this is what they're thinking about or these are their circumstances. I wrote this story for Refinery29 about black college students who do hair in school as a means to make money. And mm. I was giving haircuts. <laughs> exactly. I, I was became def- a whole barber. <laughs> exactly. And that's something I'd never r- seen written about. And it's such what? a common practice. And that's a political story to me because you know, some kids do it to like literally – have pocket change while Mm. they're in school or to pay for their tuition and so i got that story from talking to my cousin over christmas break like two christmas breaks ago that is how i source my stories and i feel like this is similar for you too like looking at what i like and leaning into it i don't care what people think i don't care if other people think it's dorky like no i'm into this so i'm just gonna lean in
0: yeah i think that is so important for people listening to hear because i think there's this I know there's an actual, like, psychology term for this, y'all, but I don't remember at the moment. But what I'll say is people often feel like they're the center of their universe, and that creates a feeling of being alone in certain issues. But what Mm -hmm. you'll realize through the internet and media is that there's somebody for everybody. Like, someone can really, I promise. Even, like Darian was saying, there's some things that I thought people even care about. I'm so surprised what people care about. Oh, my gosh. Like, (laughs) I'm thinking even back to some videos that I was just like, oh, like when I was seeing all the controversy around when it was Halle Bailey was doing mm-hmm. the Little Mermaid, the live action and it got announced and I did a an illustration of her as the Little Mermaid to like kind of deconstruct people's imagination. Like it's not right. this big, ridiculous change. Like here's what she would look like with red locks and all these things. And people were really interested in that, but that's something I just, I I illustrated because I wanted to, and I was like, I'll turn the camera on while I do this.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so fascinating. But also it's almost, I feel like I've experienced that too, where even a topic that, yes, it means, I think sometimes there will be topics where it feels very obvious to you almost like, of course, I see this creatively through my mind. And then what you realize is also it connects to somebody else in this way where maybe you're it actually was about identity like that photo that you was it was actually a political it you contributed to yep. the conversation in this way that was asking people to think and to reimagine Little Mermaid through Halle Bailey and her hair and her blackness and mm. and what I and like. Sometimes you don't learn those lessons until you put something out into the world. And I feel like I'm consistently learning that. So, yeah, you yes. never know what people care about sometimes. <laughs> They'll surprise you.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. On, on TikTok, there was a creator who literally she was like yelling and it was everything I needed. She was like, share your work because th- them drafts is stacking up. OK, y'all like. <laughs> yep. I wonder if it's based on, like, upbringing or what it is, but perfectionism is something I definitely struggle with when it comes to putting out content, you know? Do you find that, like, because you have a job that also requires, you know, you to write on a consistent basis, do you feel like that's been
1: helpful for structure purposes or...? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say... Every day is definitely because I freelance and I would work for a variety of publications and I have my own newsletter, which I really consider my own publication. I would say that it's a lot of self-discipline and it's a lot of self-initiation, like being a creative, I would say, or being an artist in some way of just like, you have to have a certain set of, I think, motivation in the way where I'm actually not the most organized person. I wish that I was better at my to-do list. I wish that I was more strategic but also those are things I'm working on and I'm figuring out and I'm Mm -hmm. also finding that when it comes to putting things out there I don't learn those things unless I put them out and so Mm -hmm. it is you have to swallow the pill and just do (laughs) things you can't always be nervous about how people are going to perceive you if your intentions I feel are in the wrong.
0: yeah oh man that is really true I just read a quote about that where it said self-esteem is developed through repetition it is mm. the belief that you can do something the, yes. just the belief i know how long results take i i know to start slow and and build up the momentum and consistency and i think what you said is so so important like the confidence in what you do doesn't come from simply doing it once you yeah. know
1: or watching other people do it like Oof. that part <laughs> You can only do so much research. You got to get in the field. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know that quote? I, I want to say it's Winston Churchill, but someone's basically saying there are people who are in the boxing ring fighting, trying things out, doing, mm-hmm. even if they are stumbling or they look like they they look like a crazy person, at least they're out in the ring doing it. And you always have to take the criticisms of people who aren't—not that you shouldn't listen to your audience or your community or or smart people around you who you trust—but I think that like you got to give yourself some credit for trying. I
0: agree. Also, when you think about something too in depth, your brain can't really tell the difference between thinking about things and doing things. That's why meditation is so powerful because yes, I just I literally just told you know my partner I said. I went into a meditation so deep that I felt like I was back on a yacht in Tulum. Like I literally <laughs> I could feel the breeze. I could hear the reggaeton music. I, I literally felt the sway of the boat and I was all happy. I felt the sun on my forehead.
1: And I was Wait. like that's how powerful the mind really is. That is so powerful. I have a question. How long have you been meditating? Okay, oh, I just recently started my meditation journey.
0: Oh yes. And and for creatives out there, meditation is super, super helpful. Yeah. But I started actually around twenty, what was this, twenty seventeen. And then I got more into it twenty eighteen. And I never thought because I am intersectional, I am a black woman with a disability, ADHD, so I always thought that meditation was out of the cards for me. You mm-hmm. know, with when it came to that deepened level of focus over an extended time but what helped is actually went to a temple like a a buddhist temple and did a meditation there (laughs) y'all i was shook okay if you've ever gotten a deep tissue massage how you walk out of there feeling high like you just walk out like all my limbs are jello like I cried in the medicine like I literally like when we came out of it I was like where's my face wet tears were running down my eyes and everything this is another level so from that moment forward I was like yeah no this is where it's at like I was able to solve like a 10 year problem in an hour (laughs) of deep thought but it takes practice also a, a tip for people listening that I learned from a monk is that meditation is just like exercise.
1: Mm.
0: He said a lot of people think it's about quieting the mind and he said it's quite the opposite. It's He said it's basically cutting through all the excess and he said so it's about finding a focal point mm. knowing that you'll wander not judging yourself for wandering and then just bringing yourself back to that focal point and um, he said just like with fitness, I, he said, I've strengthened that muscle. But he said, even monks wander off in their meditation and have to pull themselves back. But he said, the difference is now that I've been doing this for so long, the time it takes for me to get back to center is much faster. And I was like, mm. this is a life skill. Because think about when y'all have like a really shitty day or just like something's not going well. And then you have maybe a meeting coming up in an hour. And you have to get yourself back to where? Back to center. That's a life skill to be able to work through your thoughts, get through everything, and then get yourself back to a a peaceful place where you can focus on something. And I was just like, yo.
1: I feel like that is honestly the key that people don't talk about in what is what held me back for so long was this idea that Mm -hmm. it is it's about quieting the mind just to quiet the mind and it's about pulling yourself back Mm -hmm. to whatever that is whether it's an intention or a prayer or a thought Mm -hmm. or like whatever it may be and I feel like I too had a moment where it just clicked and ever since then I've been meditating once a day Mm -hmm. every other day
0: Yeah. And and there's so many ways to go about it. Like one of my favorite ways is actually stretching or just lay on my yoga mat, a foot over a knee or you know what I mean? But the reason I say this is because also in the fields that we're in in entertainment, getting back to yourself and back to center is a pivotal skill set to have. And it's needed because there's a lot of criticism. There's a lot going on, a lot of, feedback Mm. a lot you know even in the youtube space when you're doing brand deals and it's just like you put your soul on on this little four minute video and they're like here are our 42 edits that we're sending back and it's just you know let me go meditate real quick before i respond to this email
1: it's that yes
0: yeah and that's why also it's good for just getting back into yourself because i know um for people who want context on the meditation, that made me literally tear up. You won't realize how much that you take for granted or forget. That's why they say like monks tend to, their brains look 10 years younger because they their meditation improves your memory. He had us for 10 minutes. He said, think about something kind that a stranger or someone did for you this week wow. that you're acquainted with. And I was like, for the first two minutes or so, I was really like, Crap, what did they do? What did they do? And and it, it's just, dang, I'm just floating through life, not thinking mm. about the things I can be grateful for. And even with gratitude journals, you might think about it, ponder it for a minute or two and be like, put the superficial things. But like when you meditate, you really start to think, dang, That person did let me in front of them in line when I was in a rush. Or just the smallest things start coming back.
1: You remember what you wore yesterday because, you know, sometimes. (laughs) I know. But it's crazy you bring that up too because I also thought about this idea of who are the people around you who are loving you for you being you. And Mm. I think that's something that I have been working on also in meditation is, oh, you're someone worthy to being loved. You don't have to work up to that. You just are. Mm. And I feel like having that, sense of like building up that sense of self-worth in this world where it feels like you have to have this or whatever it may be in order to be loved or in order to be worthy is not it it's not the point and I think like meditation is also a time where you can be grateful for yourself and like the work that you've done because all of that's it affects the people around you too. And you
0: are in control of like your entire life experience, which is something you'll realize through meditation too. One thing that was said that really did something for me was when the monk also said that anger isn't really a a thing per se. And there's no such thing as really a bad person. He, the thing that, okay, y'all, the thing that made me tear up, he literally said, think of someone that you're angry with that makes your soul like, that makes you upset, think of someone that's neutral, and then think of someone you love deeply. We had to meditate on that for a while. And then he said, now think about the person you love betraying you. Think about the person that's neutral doing something extremely kind that just warms your heart. And think about the person that you're angry with apologizing and making amends. He said, in that instant, the person you were upset with is now neutral. The person you loved is now someone you're angry with and then the person <laughs> that you, you uh, were neutral with is someone you love. Napped.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm actually stunned right now because that is... The truth, I've never thought of it that way. Next
0: level. That's and next so level. it made me, for. that's the thing that made me forgive and also get past things faster, especially, like I said, even in the media industry, you're like being in LA, you're dealing with a lot of personalities, you're dealing with some fake energies and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's helped me process through that because he literally said, you're not really technically upset with these people. They're just not meeting a need that you have within yourself at the moment. Mm. So that's why, think about when y'all have leveled up in life, okay, you start taking good care of yourself, you go to the gym, you eat healthy, then the person you're dating just don't look as good to you. They start getting on your nerves. That's because your needs have changed. So now that person is in that little swivel rotation. They're not in the top spot anymore because your needs are different. I really, really needed that word
1: because (laughs) because it's so true. And I think, like, also we have to be more at ease and okay and at peace with, like, the ways that different people channel through our lives and even for yourself. And I think all of these things are also tied Mm -hmm. to mindset and the way that you're viewing yourself and your ambitions and your values, like – yeah, people are going to change and your desires around friends are going to change and what you need changes. And you have to honor that. You have to honor it.
0: And sometimes that's the thing that I even realized like at a young age, I remember I, I was a little a grandma kid. Like I was a deep little kid, man. <laughs> were you? I could totally see that. Because <laughs> literally me and my mom were at that phase where we started getting into it a little bit. And I was like, I remember one day I just looked at my mom. I was in like late middle school. And I said, Mom, I used to think that you were changing, but it's not. That's not the issue. You're staying the same, and I'm changing very quickly. Come on now. (laughs) I need to talk to your mama. Yeah. (laughs) Mom, I know you're listening. Hager, Darian wants to have words with (laughs) you. I love where this conversation is going. Like, Have you ever felt pressured within your industry to change your voice or how you deliver things or show up based on the corporate
1: world? Yes. And Mm -hmm. I have changed my voice in these ways that have made me actually then more solidify who I am and what I won't do and what I won't put up with and Mm -hmm. the circumstances that I do need. Because here's the complicated thing about, I feel like, my profession. I am really covering other people in their stories and their Mm. perspectives and their narratives. And I'm also a black woman in media who's a reporter. There's very little representation of us. And also we're only viewed that we can write certain kinds of stories. Like a lot of people just, I don't actually think that people view me this way, but I think that also people tend to try to pigeonhole me into only talking about black beauty Mm. and and in a black American beauty girl vibe very cis hetero and I think that because of my own life experiences and because I have gotten to break I've broke bread with all different kinds of people around the world and I have this perspective it's like my goal is one to think differently about how these narratives are being told I think that I do have an emphasis on black women just because our spending dollar within the beauty and we Oof. outspend, we, we outspend everyone. everyone. In addition to that, our taste, our style, our sensibilities are all taken from us and regurgitated back to us. Like our oftentimes our own experiences are regurgitated back to us. And honestly, at this point, I've just started laughing. Right. But I found, it. yeah, <laughs> it's, tacky and embarrassing for them and so I think that I come from this place now of like this is who I am in media I'm thinking differently about how I want to portray people the kinds of people who I want to talk to and I think that now that I have a better idea of what that is I go and work with editors or with publications that feel like a good fit for that subject Mm -hmm. and I think that a lot of it is about finding your allies and finding other people who you know I don't have to over explain to them why this person is relevant they get it Mm -hmm. they know it they in the (sighs) internet streets like they're in culture like they understand intersectionality and that's been my way of doing it because when I don't I am. It actually is a disservice to my subject, mm-hmm. because yeah. I've had pieces where I've written where I felt like my voice was flattened, and then mm. therefore this vibrant person who is so interesting, they're flattened through the portrayal of the piece.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. That is a word, y'all. Like, also the piece about finding your allies really stuck out to me because I think that the term ally we be throwing that around a little too loosely. Somebody has basic human decency. We're like, yes, ally. No, no, no,
1: no. And it's funny because actually like what I meant by ally was like, we talk about allies as like white allies. We're in this very superficial, glitzy industry where things are not always as they seem, right? Always. Always. And so I'm looking for people who are working and functioning within this industry, but they're doing the little things that they can to bring change. Or maybe we just have lots of things in common, or maybe we think very similarly, or maybe we have similar an emphasis on specific values.
0: I've learned that over time, to thinking, like, you just approach somebody like, oh, they're just going to get it. And then it's just like, oh, no, they do not get it. (laughs) No, they do not get it. You can't proclaim yourself an ally. That title is something that has to be given to you by the group that you are advocating for through doing the work consistently. And that set me free because even uh, on the heels of like Black Lives Matter really ramping up last year and everything like that, there are some people that I thought were allies, but then I'm like, But why are you still following Jeffree Star on Twitter, though? Like, Mm. you know, yeah, we're naming names, but it's just like, really? And you're still using cosmetics brands from people that really, really are detrimental to the black community. Right. But you're holding up a sign at the protest.
1: You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And that, to me, also just gets into slacktivism, which and I think that I've even grown to this place where slacktivism and Thinking even about how I, we've seen this evolve since Trayvon Martin, I have a different mentality about how even I show up and what that actually looks for mm. me and caring for people within my community as activism and, like, it going beyond these things that I'm showing because what I'm realizing is, like, these people who are proclaiming themselves as allies, that's what they're doing. The people who are earning it are functioning much different. And then me... As a black woman, I really want to create more solidarity amongst other people of color while I'm also, you know, building up my own community. And I think all of that is very, it's very connected. Something that I've been just doing
0: gradually as well, which has just been really just paying deeper attention, especially since last year, Mm -hmm. to continuity in people's words and actions. And also looking at where your power lies, right? Because if you don't have like a powerful voice per se, like you're, you're not going to be on a megaphone at a, at a protest, right? Literally, let's say your power is you come from a really, really bigoted family. That might be your power. Speaking to them might be the most powerful activism that you can do because then you might cancel out dozens of harmful experiences that the people in your family might perpetuate. Even if you don't succeed, just the fact of trying, right? But I feel like everybody streamlines activism and social media into one pigeonhole where it's just like, this is how it has to look. And right. for me, that's why I was like, hey, what are your superpowers? One is, for me, is drawing. So I made a couple of the graphics that we saw during the like height of George Floyd and all that mm-hmm. of where you could get resources and a lot of my graphics are were floating and still are floating around instagram to this day just giving people free visuals that they can easily repost and taking right. some of the burden off that was my form of activism was right. through art so it doesn't always have to be in the traditional sense of laying your body on the line in front of the police because we we need some people not even in war right
1: Everybody ain't on the battlefield. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a really good point, R- really reminding people listening that identifying your power, which is a journey in itself, I think, mm. and then how you apply it is where it manifests, I feel.
0: Yeah. Oh, do you have a story of a time when your voice was going to be suppressed and you maybe fought back or asserted yourself?
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. That is a really good. That's a good situation. I can't name names, but I can talk about the situation. I had a story that I had pitched about somebody months before they were popping. This was kind of my trend reporter brain. I knew what they were building up to. So I pitched it to a major publication. This was in the fall. I interviewed this person Mm -hmm. for some elements that were absolutely my fault. I had taken a long time to write the story, but also I was stressful and going through things and this was the around the election and so -hmm. many different things were happening. But essentially another team of this publication saw that this was a a person that I was working on. And Mm -hmm. because I was taking a long time to file the story, they tried to pressure me into them taking it. And so basically, like, re-interviewing this person, doing the story again, and essentially taking the story from me. And at first, I kind of let it go. And I was like, it's my fault. I should have done more. I should have not, whatever it may be. And then I kind of stepped back and I thought, but what is the point of them doing that? Mm. Why would you take a story during the climate that we're in from a black reporter profiling another black girl. What is the point of that? And I think I also just kind of came back to say that there were also some ways that I covered her specifically that were a perfect frame for this story. And so that was a time where I felt like I called back my editor and I spoke to her and I let her know some things that I felt like weren't on her radar and also on the other desk's radar. And I got my story back. And for me, it was like during this whole thing, my ego was definitely bruised. I keep a little bit of an ego on me because I need it sometimes to just move. (laughs) I need it sometimes. And as much as my ego was bruised in that moment, I think there was a piece of me that was like, wait. I shouldn't feel punished for mm-hmm. a delay, despite all of these circumstances. And so I felt that that was a time where I really spoke up for myself in a moment where a year from when that happened, I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have just really blamed myself.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That story really touched me because I, I know how much courage it even takes to advocate for yourself because sometimes the, the guns are pointed back at you. If yeah. Yeah. And it's very, very weird, like when uh, you try to advocate for yourself, and then just like, wait, how did I become the enemy here? Wait a day, go a second. So exactly, that was so incredibly brave, and I'm, I'm very proud that you spoke up for yourself. The difference that we're seeing this year specifically that's enabling positive change is accountability. I love the Karen movement of getting people's jobs taken and things <laughs> for for being really <laughs> racist and just awful in public.
1: It's like witnessing their own behavior along with them. The fact that there's actual
0: repercussions for these neglects is what's really making the biggest impact, even Mm -hmm. in my life. You know what I mean? I've had to to really step back and reevaluate everyone I work with. And mm. and I'm like, who's really hearing me? It's like, who do I have to tell that this is going to be a rough week because the George Floyd trial is going on? Because I think having to explain yourself 24-7 is such, it's a job. It is a and job. And no one should be doing that, you know? It's
1: a job in itself. And I like this question you asked of who's seeing me? You mm. know, who is perceiving me? Who gets me, right? And I think it's so important to essentially envelope yourself around people who get you both career-wise and relationship-wise and your friends and your family too oh my gosh and it makes the biggest difference it's kind of like
0: I don't know if y'all um have ever read the art of uh tidying up you know the yes
1: I actually have
0: the thing where they say think about what brings you joy and if it doesn't bring you pure joy let it go that applies to people too and of course people Mm. are gonna have bad days but there's a difference when someone sees you one thing i notice is they have their human moment where they deflect or whatever for the initial part but their ultimate goal will be to seek understanding at a deep level and do the work to improve so like that's a huge thing and it's been extremely helpful for my mental health as well doing the pivoting i've been doing this past few months is just i feel like a new person like time is money Time is money y'all and spending time explaining why I can't straighten my hair in an hour at a brand shoot, explaining why I have to pack an extra suitcase to go to most photo shoots because they might not have my foundation there. You know, that's things that I just don't like, you're taking time from me essentially. So like it's widening the wealth gap in its own way because black people, we are so robbed of time all the time. This is
1: really true, Brie. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yes. Even these little things around, you want me to show up this way with my hair straight, but you just Mm. think I'm going to straighten it and I'm not going to have to style it and sheen it and position it and make sure that I have the right technique when I'm flat ironing my hair and that it's prepped the right way. And I feel like I especially learned it over this past year too, even with producing more at home because Mm. now brands will send you things or they expect you to basically put up a whole light show and for me as someone who doesn't technically have all of that set up that's labor too and that's additional time
0: exactly and even just the time it takes to be respectable quote unquote Mm. even to do a bun my bun takes like 35 minutes y'all to put in and we're, and that doesn't include drying time because like, I had to do it on, on damp hair. Right. You know what I'm saying? And right. So, so even the, the things that look simple take so much time. Just because my baby hairs aren't done doesn't mean I'm unkept. Like, I love these things that we're starting to do. It's like, yep. that's how I naturally am. That's how I show up. And it's fine if you want to do them. Like, I love baby hair, but like, you know, yeah. for artistic purposes. But <laughs> <laughs> I draw my name in them and things. But literally, I think that's such an important thing that you've
1: even been getting back through advocacy, right? Is is your time. Right. And it feels good. And it gets easier. It gets mm-hmm. easier to stick up for yourself. I want to say that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and also, that's why representation and hearing uh, your voice is so important because it's like... When there's not enough representation, there's also not enough
1: validation. I feel like so much of this conversation has been about feeling seen and heard, which I have always found is ultimately what we all want. And to me, that's a beauty conversation because being seen and heard and how you're perceived and also how you want to show up, how you want people to see you, how you want people to hear you. Mm -hmm. We live in this culture where so much of that is dependent on literally your body, your Mm -hmm. actual physical body, and then also the choices you make around your hair, your eyebrows, like your eyelashes, (laughs) your lip color, your earrings, like how you hold your shoulders back. I'm convinced it's all connected.
0: (laughs) Yes, just in perspectives of people who are starting out, people who are interested in media and everything, or people who just have no idea what goes on with what you do and the process it takes. What is something that you feel people would be surprised to know about what you do? Oh, that's a
1: good question.
0: I can give an example while you're thinking for Yeah, uh, give me an uh, example. YouTube. Something that people might be surprised about for YouTube is some of my videos that look linear, like they're shot in a day might have been shot over the course of several days. For example, in 2015, I know it sounds a while ago, but like I did a Get Ready With Me video that's all animations and, you know, all these things. I had to shoot every scene of that on a different day because it took that long. So I had to keep hair continuity. I had to keep oh my God. makeup continuity <laughs> for that project. It took me six days to shoot it and three days of prep to draw all of the animations and live images, so... Yeah. that would be something people might be surprised. It looks yeah. like a day. it was actually in total nine.
1: I would probably say even just the writing process itself, like mm-hmm. it's not I file a story and then it's edited and I don't see it and it goes online. Thank God. that's not how it should be working. <laughs> if it's work if if you experience that, know that you deserve better too. and, and your editor okay. should be working harder, but I file it. I receive mm-hmm. edits back. You know, so mm. it's criticisms and edits and critiques and things we're trying to flesh out for the sake of the piece in the mm. subject. And yeah. then also there are fact checkers, there are copy editors, like it's a whole process to perfect a published story so that you don't have corrections when they come out or there aren't spelling errors. And so it's a lot of different work.
0: That even brings perspective into it for me, because even hearing, hey, this is not just a solo thing. This is a it's a group collaborative it's collaborative trying to
1: do everything yourself is
0: noble but it's impossible (laughs) once you get to a certain
1: point it's impossible yeah you're so right and i feel like getting past the phase where you're not trying to look for the easy way out no you've done a lot of the work you've experienced yeah. a lot of the work also you could teach other people the work at this point you could teach other people how to do it you can yes. mentor and delegate bring people on your team who are looking to do something similar and I have had to tell myself like yo you're at that point in your life too where it's like writing is a lot of work sometimes it's torture you have to get your actual <laughs> yes. thoughts and opinions on page and you have to be confident about them and I just kind of feel like I'm now in the space where I want to do so much more within the world of beauty in -hmm. addition to writing. But in order for me to do that, I'm going to have to pull away from writing because like time, energy, you know?
0: Yeah. You don't have time to think like, and that's something ironically, they said a lot of CEOs advocate for is actually having time to think. That's why people do hire assistants and do have teams and things like that so they can alleviate decision fatigue of all the things you have to decide and do. It's interesting, too, because a lot of the things we try to suppress or things that we don't tell people or we do in private are some of the things that people relate to us most on, you know? Yep,
1: exactly. Exactly
0: so even projecting like your imperfections your fears and yes. and including those things into writing oh my gosh you'd be so surprised i'm like oh we're all on the struggle bus together
1: yes <laughs> oh my god show me your imperfections because chances are these imperfections are not imperfections they're just like we are and it's the the circumstances that we're what that we're under and I think Mm -hmm. that that is so important and kind of just relates back to this idea around us making the right decisions around the what is presented to us and then we do better but Mm -hmm. it's a process and we can all relate to it
0: oh yes the concept of being able to do better is so real because I think again everybody on the internet thinks everything is present and it's also realizing like hey You don't have to go to my first makeup video in 2015 and roast it based on today's... Beauty standards. <laughs> like please don't do that. Right. People are like people are like, this product doesn't exist and this link doesn't work. And I'm like, y'all, this is a six, seven year old video. Like,
1: please, yeah, you please. know Please watch a new one. Watch Let me one. grow.
0: Let me grow. Right. Like I watch it for like I said, like it's good to observe content through a lens of admiration. When I need inspiration, I'm sorry to anyone that hears this. Uh I don't want to mortify you. But I go to people like Jackie Ina's page. I go to some of my favorite influencers and, and creators, and I sort their videos from oldest to newest.
1: <gasps> Fave thing to do. Favorite thing I to do. I love doing I love that. it.
0: I love it. <laughs> yes, because whenever you're on a comparison train, like, I think that's one of the best things you can do is... Revisit the starting points of people you admire because when you compare to them today, you really don't know what was saved up to buy that light and how things came about, how many teams are involved now. Like let's say I'm in my third year doing something. I'll go to someone's third year of them doing it and say like, oh, what were they doing at this point in their journey mm. rather than what they're doing in their 10th year, you know? And That is so that good. Helps.
1: Yeah, that totally. I definitely, I like how you say coming from a point of admiration. You ever see like a small brand or like a, a small st- starting out brand, but you know that they're going to be on the come up or that they're doing yes. something interesting or they just simply resonate with you. You might buy something just because even though you know it won't be perfect, Maybe it won't be exactly what the product is per se. And they're not marketing it as something that it's not, but Mm -hmm. you want to support. Sometimes I'll buy little things of that nature Mm -hmm. because I'm just like, I see what you're trying to do. And I've been there before and I'm still on my journey.
0: Yeah. So,
1: like, just wrapping up today, because I could talk about this stuff forever,
0: but tell us a little bit more about Beauty IRL and, like, also just where you see media and journalism going in the next few months, years.
1: Yeah. So, Beauty IRL is my newsletter where I curate and cover beauty at the intersection of politics and pop culture. I put out a weekly newsletter that is really the latest news from that past week um, under this frame. And then also I curate just some stories at the bottom that other people write that I feel are relevant to the conversation. And then I really normally try to frame it around a theme if I can find one. Normally there is, or I'm connecting some sort of dots, but that's really what my newsletter is about. And then I would say so much of what I'm not doing, it's Mm -hmm. all a read on where I think the direction of social media and media and journalism is Mm -hmm. going. And I think something that I'm much more focused on and have always known that this is something that I've wanted to do, but now I'm really leaning more into it, especially with thinking about TikTok is just being a beauty reporter on TikTok. Like no swipe ups, no links. No, it's like, this is the news. This is what you need to know. And being a resource like that for people, curating more conversations, more profiles, talking to interesting people about beauty. I want to continue to do that as well. And I think that how it all kind of speaks to the industry is that we cannot deny the way that Facebook has changed the way that we devour news and information. And so I think for me, I am just trying to get into this world where I'm not only working for publications. And I say all this to say that, like, I think that this is honestly going to be how I sustain my future in media Mm. because really the industry is crumbling. There are layoffs all the time. COVID has upsped the demise of reputations publications institutions and we're also fighting this battle against misinformation that does not only exist in politics but it exists in beauty as well yes don't even get me started on sunscreen and so you know it's just this thing where i am very much being observant and i'm taking care of myself but you got to find that balance because the internet is a beast the internet just wants you to be a machine the internet just wants you to work work for it and I'm yeah. like I got to make the internet work for me.
0: Ooh, I love that. That's that's literally what I've been gearing into now because even with brand deals like I used to try to you know, get a brand deal first, then try to curate a video around it, but now it's like no, I'm going to make my my own video schedule of how I want things to go and mm-hmm. whatever deals fit into that or whatever brands fit into wow. what I'm already doing. And that is the, That's the twenty twenty effect. Okay. Also, wait. The sunscreen comment. We're not going to just glaze past that. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. We
1: need. We need. We need the tea, dairy. We need it. Okay. Well, <laughs> tell me if you have noticed that there has been an uptick around sunscreen content. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And it's very, very much connected to one news around sunscreen, and this could be anything from lab results that show that the level of SPF within Mm -hmm. a sunscreen is lower than what it claims. It could be anything of finding low levels of um, benzinine within a sunscreen and it being pulled from shelves because of testing. But now it's seen as the sunscreen can give you cancer when really it's more of that it was detected. And as much as that ingredient or that chemical should not be within the sunscreen, it was actually good that it was pulled. And Mm -hmm testing did what it needed to do now this is information right now we're thinking about who is relaying this information their perspective is it coming from an influencer who you trust and that does not mean that they cannot sort through and present information but also I think that there are a lot of people who skew facts and framing in order to go viral Mm. and then in addition to that There are a lot of people who I think are kind of telling you how often you should be putting on sunscreen. And I feel like there's like this elitism that has Mm. shaped around sunscreen in this way of like, are you wearing sunscreen? Oh, you're not. If you're not wearing sunscreen today, you don't care about yourself. You're not up on game. You're not this. Some of us didn't grow up wearing sunscreen. Or could afford
0: it. Mm. But, you know. But what people don't realize is like even the people that didn't use sunscreen, not saying they shouldn't start, but they were using heavy occlusives on the skin that were creating a protective barrier
1: to some extent. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I think also there are different like politics of sunscreen of maybe growing up. If you had less melanin in your skin, you are a lighter tone. You are more susceptible to skin cancer and also just to getting Mm -hmm. burnt. Right. If that need doesn't exist for you, and that's not to say that people with darker skin tones or with more melanin in their skin cannot get skin cancer. It is more of this idea around knowing that about yourself and still wanting to protect your skin or anything in the future. I think that as more information is becoming accessible to all of us is now leading to the space where we are changing some of our beauty standards and what we do and don't do, especially with um, climate change. All of us should be wearing sunscreen, but let's not be cops about it. That's exactly. just my thing. Let's not be cops about it.
0: There shouldn't be <laughs> classes or elitism in self-care. Look at how the sunscreen conversation and all these things are influenced. Not always by science, but by who is speaking. And I think also just like Mm -hmm. elevating experts in a certain field, which is what we're doing on this podcast as well. Giving the stage to people who know what they're talking about, know what they're doing, but also broadening perspectives. That is so important.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I agree. And you are totally doing this with your podcast. And thank you for having me. This was such a great conversation. Look at (laughs) us. Of
0: course. Oh, my gosh. I'm so, so happy that we were able to talk today. And I, you know, have this tradition on count to 10, as y'all know, that we like to really unwind a bit. You know, sometimes we talk about heavy stuff. Sometimes we have our laughs. So we're going to do our 10 second mindful moment Are you down, Darian, to do a mindful moment with us? All right, everybody. So like I always do with my disclaimer, if you are driving, we need your eyes on the road, okay? Do not close your eyes. But you can get relaxed if you're somewhere comfortable. Feel free to close your eyes. And we are just going to do 10 seconds of breath work. All right, everybody, get cozy. All right, deep breath in and out. Deep breath in and out. Deep breath in and out. all right everybody thank you so much for listening to the count to 10 podcast with Bree hall thank you again darian for being on with us make sure you go fuck some shit up today get your life together do what you need to do take some self-care y'all if it's a sunday and you happen to be listening look go get your nails done your toes deserve it okay no i'm just kidding y'all but do whatever makes you feel happy today and we will catch you in the next episode